0: so, so good to get to be with you today. I'm so honored to get to share in week two of Icons of Influence with you. It's already been so fun to get to see all of your Bitmojis on social media. Y'all are participating in this series, and we love it. How many of you have made a Bitmoji so far? Can we see? How many people know what a Bitmoji is? Because I didn't when this thing started. All right, all right. We could get some more on social media. We'd love to get to participate with you, but uh, always so grateful to get to share in God's Word with you this morning. And I, I did make a bitmoji. And I'd like to show it to you now. This is me up here. I've been teased around the office this week because he is an introvert. Like, my bitmoji is introverted. Did you notice that? Everyone else has, has these big, wide grins, and minds like, I wonder what life's all about. You know what I mean? He's very... <laughs> But then we looked at mine and Moses' side by side and look at these guys both thinking about life. (laughs) Could have never planned that in a million. I like that some people started clapping for that. Round of applause for our Bitmojis, (laughs) me and Moses. (laughs) That's awesome. Y'all are so supportive. That's so sweet. Uh, hey, hello if you're watching on live stream with us as well. Uh, Ashley's right. Our camping group is all huddled around a flat screen uh, somewhere in Port Huron, including Pastor Tim and his family. So we're just going to wave and say hello to them, everyone who's watching on live stream, We love you, and uh, we're so honored to get to be with you. I don't know if they can get a wide shot, but they all really did wave. It was really impressive. Uh, but we did launch this amazing thing last week called a Summer Worship Challenge, and we mean it. We're so excited to get to dig into God's Word together we're so excited to see what he might have for us in June and July and August. And so we're encouraging you, try to be here every single week because God's doing a lot of amazing things in our church. If you can't be physically with us, you can always watch on live stream. Our team is incredible, and we have that available to you as well. But June 2nd is crossed off. You're here for June 9th. We're going to keep plugging away at our summer worship challenge together, and it's going to be amazing to see what God is going to do in and through this place. And so, hey, we're going to jump into Icons of Influence. Uh, We're very, very excited to do that. Can we join in a word of prayer together as we dive into God's Word? God, we thank you and we praise you this morning for you and for your goodness. God, it's beautiful to get to hear people singing about how good you are because it's so true. It's true that you love us, that you come near to us, and God, we're here to sing your praises. We're here to see what you have for us in your word this morning. God, protect my mouth. Help me from misspeaking any of these words. God, we're just so honored and grateful that we get to look at your word and to see how good you truly are. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor Tim kicked us off in this incredible series called Icons of Influence last week. And uh, today we're going to continue into Moses. This is a guy in scripture who uh, really has a fascinating story. And the heart behind the series is to say that it can be really easy to look uh, through these texts and to say, well, if I just had their kind of belief, if I just had the kind of faith like Abraham did or David did or Peter or Paul or Moses, if I just had that kind of faith, that kind of trust, that kind of hope, then maybe I could do as great a things as they did, right? But this morning, as we dig into these texts, as we drill down in these lives of these men, we're saying, well, they did not have it all together. And that gives me hope and that gives us hope because we don't have it all together as well. And so as we lean into this uh, series, as we lean into looking through these men's stories, what we see is that if we don't have it all together, and if they don't have it all together, the only way that this could go right is if we understand and believe that God has and God holds it all together. Come on, church, we ready for this. God has and God holds it all together, and it's by his power, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, the same power that lives and breathes in every single one of us and that lived and breathed in these men, that power is how you and I can also become icons of influence. That that power is how we can own our influence and step into our world with the kind of power and with the kind of presence that will change everything in the world around us. That's the kind of truth that we bank our lives on. That's why you and I, too, can do greater and bigger things than we ever could have imagined. And so today, as we jump into the story of Moses, before we lean too far into that, I want to put a question on our minds. I want to put a question on our hearts as we do a little work, as we wrestle with this together. And that question is, has there ever been a moment in your life in which you've stopped yourself from doing something based on a disbelief in yourself? I know it's a heavy question for this early in the morning, so follow along with me here. This doesn't need to be too big, too broad yet. We're still warming up. We're still getting together. But has there ever been a moment in your life in which you stopped yourself short from doing something based on a disbelief in what you can do and who you are and your capabilities? So to start small, here's one that popped in my head this past week. There's plenty to choose from, I promise. But here's one that popped in my head this past week. Uh, in In seventh grade, I was on a junior high retreat with the students here at Shepherd's Gate and uh, we went to this Christian camp. If you've ever been a part of a junior high retreat, it, it's incredible because they put all these students in a, in a bus, and then they take everybody somewhere, and then we do these team-building exercises. Now, the thing about team-building exercises is that it's all trying to bond each other through physical activity, and I don't like physical activity, right? Any, any big workout people here? <laughs> Apparently, all of you are, because there was no response when I said I don't like physical activity, and you guys are like, well, that's your problem. LAUGHTER um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan and so they do these crazy obstacle courses, they do these zip lines. I mean it's insane. And then there was one specific event that I'll never forget. It burned in my brain. It's called the trust fall. Anybody heard about trust fall before? Anybody in the room? Wow, a lot of you have heard about trust falls. So, they're terrible. <laughs> um, basically what happens, there's a massive tree and halfway up the tree there's a wood board and each student will climb up to the wood board, they'll face the tree, and every, all, all the other students are behind them holding their arms out, and they'll count you down, they'll go three, two, one, and you fall backwards, and they're supposed to catch you, and that builds trust. Can you feel how embarrassed I still am by even having to share this story with you? Wait, wait and see how this goes. The fatal flaw of this is that seventh graders are not known for their strength, right? <laughs> like. Have you ever described a seventh grader and been like, oh, yeah, he's great, ripped. Goes to the gym every single day. Never in your life have you thought to say that. And so all the students started going up, and they started falling backwards. And I, being the logical one in the group, I'm kind of like, all right, well, I guess we got to start trying to catch these people. There's a guy in our group named Gary. We'll call him Gary. We're protecting identities here. We'll call him Gary. He was the tallest one of all of us. He was the strongest one of all of us. And when he got up to fall, I went, this is going to be an issue. (laughs) They count him down. They go, Gary, three, two, one. And he falls backwards, and we do not catch him. (laughs) I mean, it was, I can still hear the sound of his feet hitting the grass. And the five of us collectively just had his head. (laughs) And so we just kind of laid him down on the ground and went, good job, Gary. Good stuff. Do you trust us? He said, no, I need an ice pack, and (laughs) the next thing I heard after that was, Christian, you're up next, (laughs) and I was like, are we even going to take a second to talk about this? Like, this just went horrible, and now Gary's out, right? Like, now there's three people that are going to catch me and say, no, man, well, you'll be fine, okay, and so I woke up on the wood board. And there's these steps that you have to take to get to the wood board. The logical part of my brain is just on fire going, There's steps. That's the better way to go up and down a system. (laughs) I know the the steps are trustworthy. This falling backwards thing's insane. And so I'm up on the board, and they go, Christian, three, two, one, and nothing happens. (laughs) I just stand there, and I go, Count me down again. And they go, Christian, three, two, one. And nothing happens again. And I don't know if you can put yourself back in 7th or 8th grade, but there's that moment when the tears kind of fill the back of your eyes and you know everyone's watching you and you know you're embarrassed and then you feel it again a few years later because you're telling it to 500 people in a room. <laughs> but you're standing in this position. They count me down one more time and they say, Christian, 3, 2, 1. And with a really cracky 7th grader voice, I said, I can't do it. I'll never forget that moment as I stood there and I walked right back down the steps. And the seventh graders were all so quiet, which is so rare. (laughs) And it was because it was so awkward and it was so embarrassing and they were all wondering what they should say or what they should do. And the camp counselor walked over to me and he said, what happened? I said, I can't do that. These guys can do that. I can't. See, it doesn't have to be something as silly as a seventh-grade retreat and a trust fall, but maybe it's something even bigger for you. Maybe there's a moment in your life that you can identify where you've thought, man, that next financial move, that next career move, that next relationship move, God said, fall backwards into my arms, and I said, I just can't do that. There's some space on your outline. I just really encourage you to lean into this question because whether it's all the way back in seventh grade or whether it's yesterday, whether it's this morning, you ever had a moment in your life which you stopped yourself short because of a disbelief in yourself and what you can do and what you're capable of? You see, when I look at the life of Moses, it can be really, really easy to turn through these pages and to say, man, if I just had his kind of belief. Moses did some pretty incredible things in his life. God carried him through an incredible journey in Scripture. He had this belief in God's leading to leave his comfortable position. He had this belief in God's commanding to then challenge the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh was not a nice guy, by the way. And he went to the Pharaoh and said, you need to let God's people go. You have held the people of Israel captive for way too long in Egypt. It's time for them to be free. That's the movie moment of Moses' life. It can be easy to look at the story of Moses and say, man, if I just had the kind of belief that he had to then carry God's people through the journey to go to the promised land, this was not an easy journey. There were trials, there were struggles every step of the way. And we can read the story of Moses and say, man, I wish I had that kind of belief, because most of the time I think I can't do this. But here's what's interesting today, and this is what we're going to look at this morning. It was not incredible belief in God that started Moses' story. It was actually a disbelief in himself. At the beginning of Moses' journey, there's this moment, this conversation that he has with God where he expresses incredible disbelief with himself. And he grew to believe in God's leading and God's commanding and God's providing, but it started with him saying, I don't know if I can. And I don't know about you, but I resonate with that story so much. And so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3 today. If you would turn in your chair Bibles to page 46. By the way, if you do not own a Bible of your very own, I would encourage you to take the one that you're holding home with you. Uh, That's an incredible gift we can give you. As you saw, we have so many scriptures planned, so much lined up for the summer. And so make sure to take that one home if you don't have one already. But in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start off in verse 7. This is a conversation that God is having with Moses. And it starts like this. God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That is the part of the message I was the most concerned about, was reading those (laughs) names. I think it went pretty good. (laughs) Verse 9 says this, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Let's pause there for a second. So God's saying to Moses, Moses, all the pain, all the persecution, all the suffering, all the oppression, all the hurt that your people have been going through, I see it. And I know it's true. I've seen your cries. I've heard all of it. And guess what? I have a plan to deliver you. I have a plan to take you to a place that is flowing with all the good things in the world. It's a, it's a place that all your ancestors before you have carved the way for you. I'm going to take you to this promised land. I'm going to make everything right again. All the pain is going to have an ending. And Moses is sitting there going, well, this is a great story. This is great news. Thank you for sharing this with me. And then there's a twist in verse 10. I want you to see if you can catch it. Verse 10 says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This goes from a broad story that Moses is listening to There's pain, I'm gonna make it right. You're captured, I'm gonna set you free. And Moses goes, great news. And God says, yeah, it is, you're gonna do it. And Moses has a pretty natural reaction, I think. In verse 11 he says, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses' reaction is, whoa, 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 wait, me? Are you kidding me? No, 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 something's got to be wrong here. And even a little further in chapter 4, verse 1, then Moses says this again. He says, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they're going to say, the Lord did not appear to you. A little further down, Moses says, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. What happens here is God says, Moses, come closer, I'm sending you. And Moses goes, whoa, 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 wait, me? No, no, no. Something's wrong. Actually, even if I did go, they're not going to believe me once I get there. I'm going to get all the way there, and they're going to say, you're crazy, man. The Lord did not show up to you and have a conversation with you. You're nuts. Move on. And even if they do believe me for some crazy reason, even if I get all the way there and they buy into what I'm saying, I'm not even going to be able to say the words because since you and I started talking, God, I haven't even been able to put the words together myself. There's some Hebrew translators that look at this text and say that they think that Moses said the words, God, I don't talk good. Let that sink in for a second. I don't talk good. Moses is reasoning with God. He's saying, God, they're not going to buy it. I don't have what it takes. You may be saying, I am sending you, but I'm saying, I am not capable. I'm not eloquent, I'm not slow of speech. There's a passage in this text that says, send someone else. It'd be really easy to look at this text and to say, well, what's with all the excuses, Moses? Like, what's going on here, man? The God of the universe is standing here and saying to you, I'm sending you. H- how much more clear could it get? Imagine if God showed up in your life right now and said, hey, you, right there, I'm sending you. But I gotta be honest with you, I resonate with Moses' reaction, don't you? I resonate with Moses' reaction to go, wait a minute, no, 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 something's wrong. And his mind runs to the disclaimers about himself. His mind runs to the deficits about himself. His mind runs to the disbelief in himself. He says, God, something's got to be up here. I think you chose the wrong guy because I'm not anything that you just said I'm supposed to do. The truth is I really think that I do the same thing. And I think that we do the same thing. I think so often when we feel a tap on the shoulder from God that just might be stirring in our hearts, I'm sending you. Or what if it was phrased like, hey, I own your influence, right? I think so often we go, I don't have any influence in the first place. Come on, I'm nothing, God. Here's some examples. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you felt a nudge in a certain direction? Maybe it's that next big career thing, that next big financial thing, that thing that you know you're supposed to run after and do and you feel God stirring in your heart. And every time you think about it, you just can't help but not sleep at night, because you go, man, if I could just be a part of that. And often, when God nudges us in that direction, we say, well, I'll pray about it, but that's not really for me. I don't think I'm capable of such a thing. I think so often we feel a call to action. We look at the brokenness and the hurt and the pain in the world around us, and we see all this injustice. We hear about South Africa. We hear about these mission trips. We hear about these things, and we say, man, I feel like God's stirring in my heart to say, I'm sending you to inflict some change in these areas. And our natural response in our brain is to go, well, you know what? There's other people in other places that are doing such good work. And so I'm going to throw some money at them. I'm going to throw some prayers at them. They're going to handle it. I just don't think that that's in the cards for me right now. I think very often we feel a nudge from God that says, I'm sending you. Often that comes in combat a lot with how tightly we hold on to the things that he gives us. So often we hold so tightly to the money and the time and the possessions that when we feel a tap on the shoulder, when God says, hey, I'm sending you, open your hands, watch what I can do with what I've given you. And God says, I'm sending you, give sacrificially. And we go, oh, whoa, 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 God, it's not financially a good time for me right now. I wish it was, but it's not. And God says, hey, I'm sending you, give of your time, serve, be a part of what I'm doing. I promise I can do incredible things through you. Just open your hands. And we go, oh, I'm too busy. I wish it was a right time. I I just can't. I'm sorry, God, I can't right now. Man, here's one that's a little close to home. I think sometimes we can put a summer worship challenge up on the screen and God can say, hey, I want you to be a part of what God's doing in the local church. Can you give an hour to me every Sunday? And we go, you know what? I wish, but it's nice outside. I wish, but I got this boat. I wish I got this garden. I I, I wish that I could, God, but I just can't. Is everybody right? Is that too close to home? (laughs) I think God hears us say those words. And he says, man, you've been saying it's not the right time for decades now. I'm just waiting for you to trust me. I'm waiting for you to open your hands and say, you know what? Every time my mind runs towards a deficit or a disbelief or a disclaimer, I'm taking the easy way out. Maybe it's even closer to home for you. Maybe someone has specifically affirmed something in your life. They've said, hey, you know that thing that gets your heart racing, that thing that you feel that God has sent you to earth to do? I think you should do it. And often our response is, oh, you're very nice, but no. You ever tell someone they're wrong for giving you a compliment? Isn't that interesting? I know I've done that. Hey, you're really good at that. And we go, that's very nice of you, but I'm actually not. And they go, well, I'm sorry that I said that then. I don't know what's going on here. I think so often our brains just run to the deficits. We run to the disclaimers. We hide behind the disbelief. And I think that we see in Moses' story, there's incredible things right past that wall of disbelief. I know this has been true in my life. I know that if I'm being honest with you this morning, my life up until this point has just been bigger and scarier versions of that trust fall in seventh grade. My life up until this point has just been moments where metaphorically I'm standing on a wood plank and God is saying, I'm sending you. Three, two, one, you trust me? So often I've been standing there and I I was homeschooled for 18 years of my life and I felt like God was saying, I'm sending you to go to college to learn more about me. I'm sending you to this place so that you can advance your knowledge and to step into the career that I might have for you. And my mind immediately went, but God, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get a good enough ACT score. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into the college once I finally apply. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to live up to the comparison of other people once I get there. Am I going to be able to live up to the expectation of everyone around me? God was saying, yes, but I'm sending you. Christian, three, two, one. Is anything going to happen? I remember a few months after graduating college, looking at getting married at 20 years old. You want to know what the hardest part about getting married at 20 years old is? It's not how difficult marriage is, it's how everyone tells you how difficult marriage is. (laughs) I never for a second doubted that I was supposed to marry Shelby and spend the rest of my life with her. But I'll tell you what, some things that some people said to me really, really impacted my mind. I had some people come to me and go, are you sure that you're ready for this? Are you sure that you're cut out for this? Because I'm not so sure that you are. Man, can I say this to somebody in this room this morning because I know someone needs it. Do not let the discouraging words of others outshout the empowering words of God. I think so many of us in this room are still holding on so tightly to things that people said to us 10, 20, 30 years ago when someone might have looked you in the eyes and said, you know what? You're not enough. You know what? I don't believe in you. I don't think you can do great things. Man, that can hold so tightly in our minds. I know it, I know it did for mine. But I just want you to hear this this morning. Our God speaks confidence over your life when you don't Our God speaks peace over your life when you don't feel like you have it. And our God is speaking over you, and I mean you. I don't just mean the person next to you. I don't just mean the person that you wish was in the room to hear this. I mean you. I'm sending you. Three, two, one. What's going to happen? Man, I remember standing right on this wood plank in my mind this past year as I've wrestled with anxiety, as I've wrestled with fear. Anxiety has such a way of tearing us down and saying, you are not enough. Maybe that's been your story too. I'm so excited to share this with you this morning. First of all, if you've been comparing yourself to others, if you've been looking around the world and saying, man, I I wish I could be a part of that, but there's so many other people that are better than me, why would I even try? God did not create you for comparison. He created you for community. And so it's time to step into the world around us and with boldness to say, I'm a part of a body of believers that's gonna do incredible things for the kingdom of God. I wanna be a part of it. I know there's a heart in this room that needs to hear this this morning because mine does as well. If you hear one thing today, let it be this. God has not spent a second worried about your inadequacy. I think so often we picture God in heaven saying, I'm sending you, and then we picture him going, man, I should have sent somebody else. (laughs) Let me just speak this into your life today. That's not what's happening in heaven. And God looked at Moses and said, I'm sending you. And when Moses said, whoa, 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 me. No way. When he said, God, they're not going to believe me. Don't you know that that's crazy? I can't take my life in that direction. They're not even going to buy it. God, don't you know I'm not gifted for that? I'm not talented for that. I want you to see how God responded to Moses in that moment. Because it's the best part of this whole story. Verse 12, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you. Understand this today. That's not an answer to Moses' question. If I'm Moses in this position, I want God to say, Moses, you're the man for the job. Who else would go but you? Look at all these qualifications. Look at all these credentials. Look at your resume. You are the guy for this, Moses. You are going to crush this thing. And I'm excited to see you do it. So get out there, buddy. You're going to crush it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't answer the question. He actually says, I'll be with you. Why? Because God knew that his presence is always better than a pep talk. God knew that his presence is the power that carries us out of a disbelief in ourselves and toward a belief in Him, and it's in that power, in that presence, in Him moving, and living, and breathing inside of us, and Him walking next to us, and speaking peace. I'll be with you in the moments in life in which you feel like you can't fall backward. I'll be with you in the moments in your life in which you feel like you just want to walk right back down those steps, right back down to what's comfortable, right back to what you know is true, right back to what you have tested time and time again, but I'm standing behind you ready to catch you. It might not always look exactly how you want it to look. It might not always be what's success might be defined by you in the moment, but man, I would promise you that when I say I'm sending you, you can also hear and I'll be with you when you go. God's presence is over your life today, so when your mind runs to the disclaimers, hear this, for every disclaimer you give, God gives a promise. For every time your mind says, God, I am not, he says, yes, but I am and I will be with you. When your mind says, who am I? I'm not even a good mom. I'm not even a good dad. I'm not even a good husband. I'm not even a good spouse. I'm not any of these things. God, don't you know that I don't even have any influence in the first place. God says, oh, really? Look at your family. Look at your relationships. Look at your work. If you think you just carry a briefcase into work with you, man, I promise you carry more than that. You carry the power and the presence of Jesus. And so when you sit at your cubicle and think that you're just doing your spreadsheets or whatever you do man you don't just carry that with you you carry the power the presence the peace and the confidence of the words i'm sending you and i'll be with you wherever you go if you think this is just a story from a long time ago (laughs) i'm sweating up here johnny gotta tap in for me if you think this is just a story from a long time ago i want to remind you the words that jesus says in the great commission to his disciples He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them in the name, uh, uh, I said that already, teaching them all the things I've commanded you. Don't miss this part, and I'll be with you. Understand this, God spoke to Moses, I'll be with you. Jesus spoke to his disciples and speaks to your heart today, I'll be with you, because his presence, I promise you, is the power that's gonna carry us out of the disbelief in ourselves. It's gonna carry us toward a belief in him. So I ask today, do you carry the confidence of the words, I'm sending you? Do you carry the peace of the words, I'll be with you? If your mind wants to say right now, oh God, but I'm so weak, you don't even know all these other things about me, God goes, no, I know, my power is made perfect in your weakness. No, I know, you can't save yourself, that's why I sent a savior to come and get you. Friends, it's time to own our influence. It's time to know that his power lives and breathes in us. We knew that this moment would would need a little bit of reflection and we don't want to just stand and sing a song and then walk out the doors like this never happened. And so if you would just bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment. I just want to pray for you and I I want to lean into what God might have for us today because I know this is hitting my heart. I know it might be hitting hearts in this room and, and God, we just wanted to clear over this place that God, every time that we run to insecurity. Every time that we run to our inadequacies or our disclaimers, our disbeliefs in ourselves, God, you draw us nearer. You speak confidence over our lives when we don't. You speak peace over our lives when our brains are flooded with all the things that we can't do. You go, yes, but I can God, for every heart, for every mind in this place that is feeling inadequate in some way, that is feeling like the only words that they can muster up is, I can't do it. Speak powerfully in this place. I'm sending you. I'm with you. I love you. I sent Jesus on this earth to die and rise again so that you could be free. Live in that power. Our worship team is going to sing a song. If you want to stand and join them, you're more than able to do that. If you want to just stay in your seat, if you want to pray and reflect, we have an incredible opportunity to run to the feet of Jesus and to say, God, you're listening. You're listening. So God, right here in this place, we lean towards you, knowing that you're with us.